Hello and welcome to the Strange Tales podcast presented by me your host Winston R. Douglas. This week we go back to the early 19th century and discuss one of the most famous feared and renowned pirates of all time. Not Blackbeard, Sir Francis Drake or even Captain Jack Sparrow but Zheng Yisao also known as Qing Shi meaning wife of Qing was a Chinese pirate leader who terrorized the South China Sea from 1807 to 1810. She was a prostitute who married a pirate and rose to prominence after his death. Regarded as one of the most powerful pirates in human history, she commanded her husband's fleet after his death. While the fleet she inherited was already large, she further increased the number of ships and crew. At its height, her fleet was composed of more than 1,500 ships and 80,000 sailors. She controlled much of the waters of the South China Sea. Her ships entered into conflict with several major powers, such as the East India Company, the Portuguese Empire, and Qing China. Piracy is an act of robbery or criminal violence by ship or boat-borne attackers upon another ship or a coastal area, typically with the goal of stealing cargo, and other valuable goods. Those who conduct acts of piracy are called pirates, while the dedicated ships that pirates use are called pirate ships. The earliest documented instances of piracy were in the 14th century BC, when the Sea Peoples, a group of ocean raiders, attacked the ships of the Aegean and Mediterranean civilizations. Narrow channels which funnel shipping into predictable routes have long created opportunities for piracy, as well as for privateering and commerce raiding. Historic examples include the waters of Gibraltar, the Strait of Malacca, Madagascar, the Gulf of Aden, and the English Channel, whose geographic structures facilitated pirate attacks. A land-based parallel is the ambushing of travelers by bandits and brigands in highways and mountain passes. Privateering uses similar methods to piracy, but the captain acts under orders of the state authorizing the capture of merchant ships belonging to an enemy nation, making it a legitimate form of warlike activity by non-state actors. Pirates engaged in a number of different schemes to make a living. Smuggling and illegal trade overseas were major sources of revenue for pirate bands, both large and small. As the Ming government mostly outlawed private trade overseas, at least until the overseas silver trade contributed to a lifting of the ban, pirates basically could almost by default control the market for any number of foreign goods. The geography of the coastline made chasing pirates quite difficult for the authorities, and private overseas trade began to transform coastal societies by the 15th century, as nearly all aspects of the local society benefited from or associated with illegal trade. The desire to trade for silver eventually led to open conflict between the Ming and illegal smugglers and pirates. This conflict, along with local merchants in southern China, helped persuade the Ming court to end the hygiene ban on private international trade in 1567. Pirates also projected local political authority. Larger pirate bands could act as local governing bodies for coastal communities, collecting taxes and engaging in protection schemes. 
In addition to illegal goods, pirates ostensibly offered security to communities on land in exchange for a tax. These bands also wrote and codified laws that redistributed wealth, punished crimes, and provided protection for the taxed community. These laws were strictly followed by the pirates, as well. The political structures tended to look similar to the Ming structures. Pirates did not tend to stay pirates permanently. It seems to have been relatively easy both to join and leave a pirate band, and these raiding groups were more interested in maintaining a willing force. Members of these pirate groups did not tend to stay longer than a few months or years at a time. There appears to have been a hierarchy in most pirate organizations. Pirate leaders could become very wealthy and powerful, especially when working with the Chinese dynasty, and, consequently, so could those who served under them. These pirate groups were organized similarly to other escaped societies throughout history, and maintained a redistributive system to reward looting. The pirates directly responsible for looting or pillaging got their cut first, and the rest was allocated to the rest of the pirate community. There seems to be evidence that there was an egalitarian aspect to these communities, with capability to do the job being rewarded explicitly. The pirates themselves have some special privileges under the law when they interacted with communities on land, mostly in the form of extra allotments of redistributed wealth. Pirates, of course, had to sell their loot. They had trading relationships with land communities and foreign traders in the southeastern regions of China. Zhu Wan, who held the office of Grand Coordinator for Coastal Defense, documented that pirates in the region to which he had been sent had the support of the local elite gentry class. These pirates in gowns and caps directly or indirectly sponsored pirate activity, and certainly directly benefited from the illegal private trade in the region. When Zhuan or other officials from the capital attempted to eliminate the pirate problem, these local elites fought back, having Zhuan demoted and eventually even sent back to Beijing to possibly be executed. The gentry who benefited from illegal maritime trade were too powerful and influential, and they were clearly very invested in the smuggling activities of the pirate community. In addition to their relationship with the local elite class on the coast, pirates also had complicated and often friendly relationships and partnerships with the dynasty itself, as well as with international traders. When pirate groups recognized the authority of the dynasty, they would often be allowed to operate freely and even profit from the relationship. There were also opportunities for these pirates to ally themselves with colonial projects from Europe or other overseas powers both the dynasty and foreign colonial projects would employ pirates as mercenaries to establish dominance in the coastal region. Because of how difficult it was for established state powers to control these regions, pirates seem to have had a lot of freedom to choose their allies and their preferred markets. Included in this list of possible allies, See marauders and pirates even found opportunities to bribe military officials as they engaged in illegal trade. They seem to have been incentivized mostly by money and loot, and so could afford to play the field with regards to their political or military allies. 
Because pirate organizations could be so powerful locally, the Ming government made concerted efforts to weaken them. The presence of colonial projects complicated this, however, as pirates could ally themselves with other maritime powers or local elites to stay in business. The Chinese government was clearly aware of the power of some of these pirate groups, as some documents even refer to them as sea rebels, a reference to the political nature of pirates. During the golden age of piracy, many men had to leave home to find employment or set sail for economic reasons. This left women with the responsibilities of taking on traditionally male roles and filling the jobs that were left behind. The need for women to fill these roles led them to be granted rights that had historically been exclusive to men. Women were allowed to trade, own ships, and work as retailers. Often they were innkeepers or ran alehouses. In some seaside towns, laws were even written to allow widows to keep their husbands' responsibilities and property. This was important to local economies, as alehouses and other such establishments were centers of commerce, where pirates would congregate and trade with each other and with the people on shore. As heads of these establishments, women had a considerable amount of freedom in business. They boarded and fed pirates, bought illegally pirated goods, acted as pawnbrokers for pirates, and even gave out loans, something many men, let alone women, viewed with great caution in that time period. At times, female business owners would even hide their clients when authorities came looking to arrest them for piracy. Some women chose to marry pirates. These men were often very wealthy, but their wives tended not to gain wealth as a result of their marriages, as it was difficult for pirates to send home wages and booty earned overseas. These women's houses and establishments were often used as safe havens for pirates, who were considered enemies of all nations. Women sometimes became pirates themselves, though they tended to have to disguise themselves as men in order to do so. Pirates did not allow women onto their ships very often. Additionally, women were often regarded as bad luck among pirates. It was feared that the male members of the crew would argue and fight over the women. On many ships, women, as well as young boys, were prohibited by the ship's contract, which all crew members were required to sign. During the Qing period, Chinese pirate fleets grew increasingly large. The effects large-scale piracy had on the Chinese economy were immense. They preyed voraciously on China's junk trade, which flourished in Fujian and Guangdong and was a vital artery of Chinese commerce. Pirate fleets exercised hegemony over villages on the coast, collecting revenue by exacting tribute and running extortion rackets. In 1802, the menacing Zheng Yi inherited the fleet of his cousin, Captain Zheng Qi, whose death provided Zheng Yi with considerably more influence in the world of piracy. Zheng Yi and his wife, Zheng Yi Sao then formed a pirate coalition that, by 1804, consisted of over 10,000 men. Their military might alone was sufficient to combat the Qing Navy. However, a combination of famine, Qing naval opposition, and internal rifts crippled piracy in China around the 1820s, and it has never again reached the same status.
There is very little known about the early life of Zheng Yi Sao it is believed she was born around 1775, in the Quantum province. She was likely a tanker which are both people from Sinicized ethnic group in southern China who have traditionally lived on junks in coastal parts of Guangdong, Guangxi, Fujian, Hainan, Shanghai, Zhejiang and along the Yangtze River, as well as Hong Kong, and Macau. She worked as a prostitute or madam on a flower tanker brothel in Guangdong. In 1801, she married Zheng Yi, a well-known pirate. Zheng Yi was a pirate who fought as a privateer for the Vietnamese Tay Sun dynasty in the Tay Sun Wars against Qing China and later Winan. Under Tay Sun patronage, he fought in his cousin Zheng Qi's fleet. Zheng Yi hailed from a family of well-known pirates whose roots traced back to the Ming dynasty. He had an adopted son, Zhang Bao, who was abducted by Zheng Yi in 1798 at the age of 15, and subsequently pressed into piracy. A Chinese junk depicted in travels in China, containing descriptions, observations, and comparisons, made and collected in the course of a short residence at the Imperial Palace of Yuanmin Yuan, and on a subsequent journey through the country from Pekin to Canton, published in 1804. A year after their marriage in February 1802, Zheng Yi's cousin Zheng Qi was captured and executed by Wing forces in the town of Jiangping on the border of Vietnam and China, near present-day Dongxing. On July 20, 1802, Winan entered the city of Tha and Long, which marked the end of the Taesun dynasty. Zheng Yi quickly took over Zheng Qi's fleet after his death, and sailed back to the Chinese coast together with the rest of the Chinese pirates formerly under Taesun patronage. What followed was a period of infighting among the pirates near the Guangdong coast, but with the help of Zheng Yi Sao, who was a capable consolidator and organizer, Zheng Yi was able to unite the pirates into a confederation through the signing of an agreement on July 1805 in which each pirate leader agreed to sacrifice some of his autonomy for the greater good. The confederation consisted of six fleets known by the color of their flags, red, black, blue, white, yellow, and purple. Zheng Yi commanded the biggest fleet in the confederation, the Red Flag Fleet. Zheng Yi Sao had two sons with Zheng Yi. Zheng Yinxi was born in 1803, and Zheng Ziongxi was born in 1807. On the 16th of November 1807, Zheng Yi fell overboard in a gale and died at the age of 42. Zheng Yi Sao quickly took over her deceased husband's operations, through the support of Zheng Yi's nephew Zheng Baoyang, and the son of Zheng Qi, Zheng Anbang. Zheng Yi Sao also balanced the various factions in the confederation. And was familiar with Go Podai, leader of the second biggest fleet in the confederation, the Black Flag Fleet, who was abducted by Zheng Yi and pressed into piracy at a young age. Most importantly, Zheng Yi Sao had the support of Zhang Bao, who was in effect commanding the Red Flag Fleet at the time. Zheng Yi Sao effectively inherited her deceased husband's informal command over the entire pirate confederation, while Zhang Bao became the official commander of the Red Flag Fleet. According to a report by Wen Chengji, a government official who led the negotiations with Zheng Yi Sao and Zhang Bao with the Viceroy of Liangguang Bai Ling later in 1810, Zhang Bao obeyed Zheng Yi Sao's orders, and consulted her on all things before acting.
After taking control of the confederation, Zheng Yisao and Zhang Bao quickly entered a sexual relationship. It is speculated that they were already intimate before the death of Zheng Yi. In 1808, a year after Zheng Yisao took power, the Pirate Confederation became significantly more active. In September, Zhang Bao first lured then ambushed Lin Gliang, Brigade General of Human, and destroyed his fleet of 35 ships near Mazu Island, located east of present-day Baoan district, Shenzhen. A month later in October, Zhang Bao defeated Lieutenant Colonel Lin Fa near present-day Weiyuan Island east of Human Town. These two engagements reduced the Chinese provincial fleet by half, and cleared the way for the pirates to enter the Pearl River. 1809 was an eventful year for the Pirate Confederation under the command of Zheng Yi Sao. In March, Provincial Commander Sun Quanmu, with around 100 ships under his command, engaged a small group of pirates near Darwinshan Island, and the pirates called Zheng Yi Sao for aid. Before the battle, Zheng Yi Sao took command of the Red Flag Fleet and the White Flag Fleet, ordered Zhang Bao to engage from the front with around 10 ships, Zhang Bao's lieutenants, Xiang Shena and Xiao Bao to flank Sun from the sides, and Liang Bao, leader of the White Flag Fleet, to cut Sun off from the rear. During the heat of the battle, Zheng Yi Sao charged in with the bulk of the Red Flag Fleet and the White Flag Fleet, which routed Sun. On July 21, the Qing Navy dealt a major blow to the Pirate Confederation by killing Liang Bao and destroying Liang's White Flag Fleet at an engagement near present-day Jinwen District, Zhihai, at the cost of losing Brigade General Xu Thingji and 25 ships to Zhang Bao. Liang's death and the destruction of the White Flag Fleet did not deter Zheng Yi Sao. In August 1809, Zheng Yi Sao ordered a massive raid, Zhang Bao would raid around Dongguan with the Red Flag Fleet, Gopodai would raid around Shunda with the Black Flag Fleet, and Zheng Yi Sao would lead the raid around Xinhui with her personal fleet. Gopodai worked his way through the numerous waterways along the Pearl River for six weeks on a bloody raiding campaign which ultimately resulted in the deaths of approximately 10,000 people. In early September, Zhang Bao completely destroyed a large town not far from Human and killed 2,000 inhabitants. Numerous villages, settlements, and towns fell victim to the rampaging pirates. On September 27, Zheng Yi Sao personally took command of 500 ships and anchored near Tanzu. On the 29th, Zheng Yi Sao ordered Zhang Bao to raid the town of Shating further upriver, where he captured around 400 civilians. On October 2, Zheng Yi Sao ordered Gopodai to anchor around Jigongshi, presumably near Sangchenki, modern-day Sanhongki, where he raided two days later. By late October, the provincial fleet was back to strength and ready for action under the command of Sun Quanmu, but was defeated again by Zhang Bao on the evening of October 21 near the town of Shawan. In desperation, Chinese officials looked with renewed interest at the foreign barbarians, hoping to obtain aid against Zheng Yi Sao and the Pirate Confederation. The Portuguese Empire, which controlled Macau at the time, agreed to help, on September 5, 1809, 
Zheng Yi Sao captured the brig of Antonio Botelio Homan, the Portuguese governor of Timor, and the Portuguese were eager for payback. In early November, 1809, Zheng Yi Sao suddenly left the Pearl River with only a few ships, and anchored at Tung Chung Bay, north of Lotau Island, for repairs. On November 4, the Portuguese sent three ships and a brig to harass Zheng Yi Sao at Lotau, who immediately called the Red Flag Fleet under Zhang Bao for aid. On the 5th, Zhang Bao arrived at Tung Chung Bay, and seeing that the Portuguese were no longer around, decided to anchor his ships for repair and maintenance. However, on the 8th, six Portuguese ships, the frigate Inconquistival, the Indiana Brig, the Belisario Brig, the Conceição Brig, the São Miguel Brig, and the Princesa Carlota Brig, under the command of artillery captain José Pinto Alcoferado de Azevedo e Sousa, blockaded Zheng Yi Sao and Zhang Bao within Tung Chung Bay. On the 20th, 93 ships from the provincial fleet joined the Portuguese in their blockade, commanded by Sun Quanmo. Zhang Bao's three codes for the pirates of the Red Flag Fleet are often misattributed to Zheng Yi Sao. The codes are If any pirate goes privately on shore, he shall be taken, his ears mutilated, he will be paraded around the fleet and executed. Not the least thing shall be taken privately from the stolen and plundered goods, all shall be registered. The pirate receives for himself, out of ten parts, only two, eight parts belong to the storehouse, called the general fund, those who steal anything out of this general fund, shall be executed. Women captured from villages shall not be harmed or harassed. All women captives shall be registered, their place of origin recorded, and be given separate quarters. Those who raped or committed adultery with the women captives, shall be executed. The three codes and the fact that Zhang Bao was the author of the codes were recorded in Jing Haifengji, an account of the Pirate Confederation by Qing official Yuan Yonglin based on first-hand testimonies. The misattribution of the codes to Zheng Yi Sao most likely originated from Philip Goss's The History of Piracy, first published in 1932, in which he claimed Zheng Yi Sao to have drawn up a code of rules for her crews which somewhat resembled those subscribed to by earlier European pirates. Goss claimed to have based the story of Zheng Yi Sao on a translation of Jing Hai Fenji by Charles F. Neumann in History of the Pirates Who Infested the China Sea from 1807 to 1810 published in 1831, which in itself contains numerous translation errors. Regardless, it seems like Goss was primarily interested in a sensationalized account of Zheng Yi Sao, as he claimed in the History of Piracy that the original, published in Canton in 1830, is chiefly devoted to the exploits of one pirate, and that a woman, while Jin Haifengji contains significantly more mentions of Zhang Bao than Zheng Yi Sao. A semi-fictionalized account of Zheng Yi Sao, based on Philip Goss's The History of Piracy, appeared in Jorge Luis Borges' short story The Widow Ching, Lady Pirate, part of A Universal History of Infamy, 1935, 
where she is described as a lady pirate who operated in Asian waters, all the way from the Yellow Sea to the rivers of the Annam coast, and who, after surrendering to the imperial forces, is pardoned and allowed to live the rest of her life as an opium smuggler. In the story, Borges repeated the false claim that the pirate codes were issued by Zheng Yi Sao. The pirates made various attempts to counterattack and break the blockade, but were unsuccessful due to unfavorable wind conditions. On the 23rd, the pirates managed to capture one ship from the provincial fleet, and killed the 74 men aboard. The situation turned into a stalemate between the pirates and the joint Sino-Portuguese fleet. Frustrated with the lack of progress, Sun Quanwu converted 43 of his ships into fireships and set them adrift towards the pirates in Tung Chung Bay on the 28th. The pirates diverted the fireships, towed them on shore, extinguished the fire, and broke them up for firewood. It was at this point that the wind changed, and two of the fireships were blown back to the provincial fleet, and ignited two of Sun's own ships. On the 29th, Zhang Bao and Zheng Yi Sao took full advantage of the wind, broke through the blockade, and escaped into the South China Sea. The provincial fleet lost three ships and at least 74 men, while the pirates lost no ships and only 40 men. By the end of 1809, the tides were turning against Zheng Yi Sao and the Pirate Confederation. Go Podai, leader of the Black Flag fleet, refused to reinforce Zheng Yi Sao and Zhang Bao during the Battle of Tung Chung Bay, and later openly battled with Zhang Bao near Human. On January 13, 1810, Go Podai officially surrendered to the Viceroy of Liangguang, Bai Ling, and was rewarded with the rank of sub-lieutenant. The Portuguese and the British also officially joined in the fray. On September 15, 1809, the British country ship Mercury agreed to join 60 provincial warships in patrolling the inner passage of the Pearl River. On November 23, the Portuguese officially signed an agreement with Biling that called for six Portuguese ships to join the Chinese provincial fleet on patrol between Human and Macau for six months. Biling's policy of militia training and embargoes also enjoyed reasonable success in cutting off the pirates' supply lines. But it was all these reasons combined, plus the organizational limit of the Pirate Confederation, which was held together by a few charismatic leaders such as Zheng Yi Sao, Zhang Bao, and Go Podai, that led Zheng Yi Sao to consider surrendering to the authorities in early 1810. With Macau Zuvador, magistrate, Miguel José de Arriaga as mediator, Zheng Yi Sao, Zhang Bao, and Bai Ling officially met on Zhang Bao's flagship on February 21, 1810. The negotiations quickly broke down when Bai Ling refused Zheng Yi Sao and Zhang Bao's demand of retaining 5,000 subordinates and 80 ships for entering the salt trade and joining the anti-pirate campaign in western Guangdong. At the end of the day, ten British Indiamen sailed past the pirate fleet and alarmed Zhang Bao, who suspected some sort of Sino-European trap and quickly retreated. On April 17, Zheng Yi Sao, wanting to break the deadlock, personally led a delegation of 17 women and children to the Yemen at Guangzhou and negotiated with Bai Ling, where he yielded to her demands.
On April 20, 1810, Zheng Yi Sao and Zhang Bao officially surrendered to Biling near Furongsha, near present-day Xiwan with 17,318 pirates, 226 ships, 1,315 cannons, and 2,798 assorted weapons. Zheng Yi Sao surrendered with 24 ships and 1,433 pirates under her personal command. Zhang Bao was awarded the rank of lieutenant, and was allowed to retain a private fleet of 20 to 30 ships. Zheng Yi Sao was also given permission to officially marry Zhang Bao. After surrendering, Zhang Bao would further distinguish himself by defeating the Blue Flag Fleet under Wuxia near the Lizhu Peninsula. Zhang Bao, with Zheng Yi Sao accompanying him, would later be transferred to Minan, Fujian, where Zheng Yi Sao would give birth to a son, Zhang Yulin, in 1813. In 1822, Zhang Bao, aged 36, died near Pengu while serving as a colonel in charge of the Pengu garrison. In 1824, Zheng Yi Sao returned to Guangdong with Zhang Yulin. In 1840, while living at Nanhai, Zheng Yi Sao filled charges against a government official, Wu Yaonan, for having embezzled 28,000 taels of silver that Zhang Bao had handed over to him in 1810 for the purchase of an estate. The Viceroy of Liangguang at the time, Lin Zhechu, petitioned the Emperor to dismiss the case, which he did. In 1844, Zheng Yi Sao died at the age of 68 to 69, having led a relatively peaceful life after the death of her second husband, as the proprietor of an infamous gambling house somewhere around Guangdong. Zhang Bao's three codes for the pirates of the Red Flag Fleet are often misattributed to Zheng Yi Sao. The codes are If any pirate goes privately on shore, he shall be taken, his ears mutilated, he will be paraded around the fleet and executed. Not the least thing shall be taken privately from the stolen and plundered goods, all shall be registered. The pirate receives for himself, out of ten parts, only two, eight parts belong to the storehouse, called the general fund, those who steal anything out of this general fund, shall be executed. Women captured from villages shall not be harmed or harassed. Dot all women captives shall be registered, their place of origin recorded, and be given separate quarters. Those who raped or committed adultery with the women captives, shall be executed. The three codes and the fact that Zhang Bao was the author of the codes were recorded in Jing Haifengji, an account of the Pirate Confederation by Qing official Yuan Yonglin based on first-hand testimonies. The misattribution of the codes to Zheng Yi Sao most likely originated from Philip Goss's The History of Piracy, first published in 1932, in which he claimed Zheng Yi Sao to have drawn up a code of rules for her crews which somewhat resembled those subscribed to by earlier European pirates. Goss claimed to have based the story of Zheng Yi Sao on a translation of Jing Hai Fenji by Charles F. Neumann in History of the Pirates Who Infested the China Sea from 1807 to 1810 published in 1831, which in itself contains numerous translation errors. Regardless, 
It seems like Goss was primarily interested in a sensationalized account of Zheng Yi Sao, as he claimed in the history of piracy that the original, published in Canton in 1830, is chiefly devoted to the exploits of one pirate, and that a woman, while Jin Haifengji contains significantly more mentions of Zhang Bao than Zheng Yi Sao. A semi-fictionalized account of Zheng Yi Sao, based on Philip Goss's The History of Piracy, appeared in Jorge Luis Borges' short story The Widow Ching, Lady Pirate, part of A Universal History of Infamy, 1935, where she is described as a lady pirate who operated in Asian waters, all the way from the Yellow Sea to the rivers of the Annam coast, and who, after surrendering to the imperial forces, is pardoned and allowed to live the rest of her life as an opium smuggler. In the story, Borges repeated the false claim that the pirate codes were issued by Zheng Yi Sao. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's strange tale. If you did please smash that gorgeous like button, and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also if you could write a 5 star review that would really help us get the word out, so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash strangetalespod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out anytime. Any help is much appreciated. This is me your host Winston R. Douglas signing out for now. Thanks again hope to see you again soon.